Hello and welcome to Mindset Musings Podcast, recorded from officially the most entrepreneurial city in the country, Portsmouth. Ben Miles, co-founder of one of the UK's largest music festivals, and Cy Gardner, co-founder of one of the hot 100 and fastest growing recruitment companies in Britain, search far and wide for what drives the most successful people from their chosen sectors, business, leadership, sports, and media. Now over to Ben and Simon for this week's show. Welcome to another Mindset Musings podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, this week, we've got um, we've got someone from the world of sport. Um, someone who, a really impressive young man, um, and Ben will introduce him coming up. He is actually a boxer. He's a local boxer to Portsmouth, but it's uh, it's a great story. He's just literally, um, you know, we spoke to him just a few, a few, well, I think about a week after a, his big sort of break fight, if you like. So he's had 20 professional fights. Um, just a bit of housekeeping first and foremost. Um, the mindset moment, the first one came out last week. Um, some really good feedback on that. Um, so that will be dropping every Thursday, as, as we mentioned, short, sharp bursts of, of pure value, if I don't say so myself. Um, uh, and, and the stats, you know, we are we are doing really well in the in the charts. Um, it's not all about that, but we do want to kind of spread our, our message. Um, obviously, we don't run adverts on the show, um, but we would really appreciate it if um, if you could at least tell one person about our podcast. I think most of these things spread word of mouth um, and, and actually leave us a review. So, we, you know, we're getting kind of hundreds of downloads a day now, Ben, aren't we? Which, we, we, which is excellent. Yes, it's going very um, well so far. But that doesn't add up to the number of people leaving reviews. So please just do your bit. Leave us a quick review. It takes sort of three, four seconds, if that, um, and 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 um, yeah, and help spread the word. Um, big, big boxing fan, Ben. Yes, I am an armchair fan. Never done it myself, to be honest. But, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, huge boxing fan. And um, yeah, so today's guest, uh, Mikey McKinson, uh, as you mentioned, he's from Portsmouth, a professional boxer. I've been following his career for a few years now, um, and now his brother as well. His brother's pro boxer, um, who's who's making great strides. Um, so the pair of them doing really well in 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 boxing, putting Portsmouth on the map. Um, yeah, hugely impressive young man, Mikey. Um, as you mentioned, he's twenty no, which means you know undefeated uh, in his professional career. Um, and just very recently, just after we spoke to him, um, he had which is probably the biggest fight of his career so far, Sky Sports box office on the undercard for the Dillian White versus Povetkin heavyweight clash, um, which was fantastic to watch. Um, and uh, again, he came out on top, fought a very good fighter in Chris Congo, um, who, who was also undefeated. Um, and he's come through and, uh, and as Mikey mentions uh, in the interview, he's just um, landed a three-fight deal with Matchroom, which is Eddie Hearn, um, who are, you know, one of the biggest promotion uh, promoting companies in the in the world of sport, especially in boxing. How about yourself, Simon? You a uh, big fan of boxing? I do follow it. Um, again, a bit like you, a bit more armchair. But um, I, I did go to Vegas once actually to, to watch boxing um, for a mate stag do. Um, and uh, have I have I ever told you about the time we we met Mike Tyson? 
Uh, um, I think you, we mentioned it once, yeah, but go on. Yeah, for so, so for the benefit of the listeners, um, yeah, so we went to Vegas, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, and we actually watched the, we had tickets for the Canelo Triple G rematch. Um, and that was on the Mexican bank holiday. So it was like, it was mental. Um, it re- re- obviously really good time there. But earlier that day, we'd seen at the Venetian hotel, uh, an opportunity to, to meet Mike Tyson, get a signed glove, all that sort of thing. And we were like, nah, surely not. This can't be right. So, um, it was actually our, our mate, Tom, um, treated everyone randomly. He must, you know, he, he'd obviously, uh, obviously had a few beers or whatever. So he treated everyone to this thing and we, we paid the extra for the queue jump. Um, and my mate Lee, who you know as well, who stagged it was, we, we obviously let him go in first sort of thing. And it's behind this black curtain and you can, you know, we were looking around the curtain and there was a massive queue out in the street. Obviously people hadn't paid the queue jump. Um, we're like, surely Mike Tyson's not going to come to this weird little shop in the middle of a hotel. It's not going to happen. Like we, we, we've been bumped, like, what's going on? Um, and out of nowhere, you just saw this massive silhouette of this massive head. Like he is, he is, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not very tall. He's not very tall, but I can't, I can't explain it. Just an Um, imposing figure. Really. And and you just saw the silhouette come behind this sort of like cheap curtain they put up and he sat down um, and we're like, Christ, he's he's here sort of thing. So, so my mate Lee went in first and now you could hear him chatting away and stuff like this. Um, And then out of nowhere, you just heard this like high pitched shriek almost. Um, and and then my mate Lee profusely apologising to Mike Tyson. Like you don't want to hear any of your mates <laughs> saying sorry to Mike Tyson. <laughs> like what's happened? So he's going, Mike, Mike. Oh, I'm so so sorry. And he went, and then he just replied, going, "It's not a problem." Like this, and we thought, what's happened? Lee come out, and he'd uh, he'd got his photo, got his signed glove. He was trembling a little bit. And we're like, what's happened? He went. He basically he'd he'd got those cheap sort of school chairs you know with the really thin legs on them yeah. um and he sort of like shifted it along to sort of get closer to, to him for this photo and lee's not small he's six foot seven you know <laughs> yeah. and uh he jumped a bit too enthusiastically and put the one of the spikes of the, of the chair square through mike tyson's foot <laughs> and um you know luckily Obviously, he's 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 a he's a he's a weed farmer, isn't he? Now it's all, all, all legit over there. I think you know. I think he he looked pretty chill. Put it that way. I think he might have been sort of sampling, you know, sampling some of his produce uh, before he came in, which sort of saved <laughs> saved think, the death I think before you the I, marriage. <laughs> you, you, you and I can um, happily confirm that Lee survived. Because he survived. He survived. We, uh, we, we yeah. saw him the other day. He's, yeah, yeah. he's still alive. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so. Um, so on to this week's guest then. So yeah, without further ado, over to this week's guest, Mikey McKinson. Mikey, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, first question, um, why boxing? Why did you get into it and, and how did you start? Boxing really is a family business like my dad when we me and my brother obviously my brother Lucas Bangle he's a professional boxer as well um when we were younger our dad was a like he boxed like an, an amateur level and he was also training people at the time so like me and my brother well, me more so I knew the basics like I learned from home at like four years old like as soon as I was old enough to walk I, I was in my stance and everything my brother was a bit later on he started 
by watching me and stuff. But um, yeah, so it was like a family business and we grew up. The only thing we knew was boxing. Um, as soon as I was old enough to compete, I was competing. I was training with the professionals early because my dad being a professional trainer uh, and manager. So um, yeah, it's really like a family business. And for me, like, I was quite like a shy kid, really. Um, so I don't know where I would, like, how I would be without boxing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's understandable. And I suppose with you, with your dad being a, a trainer, it's kind of a, a natural progression for you to follow that route. Um, to, to be a professional boxer, I understand you have to train hard and you have to train smart. So give us an idea of your your regime. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice uh, being obviously a professional boxer and people see the the glitz and the glamour the bells the, the pictures everything but they don't see waking up early morning for the runs um like uh, for me when i'm training for a fight i'll train twice a day six days a week so say that i would do my strength conditioning session a few days a week i'll, I'll go home have a few hours to rest and eat and then i'm back in the gym doing my sparring sprint work um like pad sessions like there's a lot there's a lot really to go in and then there's the dieting as well like for me like boxers they get down to a certain weight and like I've got a good nutritionist and a good team helping me but it's never easy but I would say the dieting is probably the hardest part of being a being a boxer um at my level uh so the last few weeks I've been able to eat what I want so I've been a lot happier but yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of sacrifice. There is a lot of sacrifice, a lot of bad times and stuff like that, but it's all worth it. Yeah, that's it. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the discipline to me, you know, from an outsider looking in, I've, I've, I've been to Vegas, I've seen some, you know, I've seen obviously boxing on TV and stuff, but it's, it's, it's the discipline that it takes to, you know, as you mentioned, the diet and the training. Now, how, how, do, you, how do you sort of instill that discipline in you and how do you sort of keep going in the, in the, in the run-up to the fight and doing the right things? Because every fight I go in, they're either doubting me, they might think I'm going to lose and stuff like that. And at the level I fight at, I don't take things seriously. And if I, uh, if I cut corners and things like that, I, I come unstuck. So I, I'm, I've always been very disciplined. I take things very, like t- take things very very serious, you know, um, because I'm not a naturally fit guy. Hmm. Like I I have a few weeks out of the gym and I'm back to square one, unfit, fat, lazy, and stuff like that. So I have to be on the ball all the time. <laughs> How I get motivation nowadays is on every fight I'm at, I'm one step closer. I'm, I've got like. I'm making people proud, but I'm making my city proud. I've yeah. got a daughter that, like, I'm a good role model to my daughter and stuff like that. So um, that help that gets me motivated. When there's days when, like, there's always days where I really can't be asked. It's getting hard and hard. But when I'm training for a fight and I'll go into the gym and I'll see my teammates working solidly all the time, even though they ain't got fights and stuff like yeah. that. There's a lot of things that motivate me. Um, like right now, it's on that one step closer to changing my life. Do you know what I mean? So that's what keeps me really, really motivated. No, no, definitely. How, how do you guys and your and your and your team? You know, how do you sort of like measure the progress and measure the results? Is there are there stats? Are there percentages? Wins? Are there? You know, do, do you look at do you look at sort of small increment uh, kind of improvements each day? Is that how you guys do it in the run up to a fight? Um, yeah, my, my dad's the boss, so he oversees everything. But obviously, I've got a strength and conditioning trainer 
that will measure like that side of training he'll he'll measure all that sort of like my growth and my development as the weeks go on yeah then there's somebody that helps me with my running and my heel sprints and stuff like that he will see the change i'm guessing quite a lot from the beginning to the end but overall it's my dad because he's there in all my boxing sessions my sparring and he he watches me from say the beginning of a training camp when I'm taking a few hits and I'm having it quite tough to the end of the training camp when I'm flying yeah he will he will always watch the the growth and the development and every fight I have every training camp I have I'm learning more each time yeah. and I'm developing more which I've been a pro seven years now um I've been a pro seven years I'm on my seventh year as a pro but I'm I'm still learning so much each time mm. so um so yeah like I think for me, and I think for most boxers, development is everything in this sport. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, obviously, you know, congratulations on the recent win in Gibraltar. That, you know, that was amazing. Obviously, you know, this isn't a, a, a Portsmouth podcast necessarily, but, you know, Ben and I are both from Portsmouth, you're from Portsmouth, so we were proud to obviously watch that. Um, you know, in that post-fight, um, interview you, you you know you mentioned that you're always seen as the underdog you've just touched on it you know obviously recently just in this you know at the top of this uh, uh, obviously at the top of this interview does that does that do you feel that's an unfair label you, you your professional record sort of 20 and 0 isn't it you know it's it's not you know it's not to be sniffed at do you do you do you, do you thrive on the underdog kind of label is that what drives you forward yeah I, I love the underdog label but like it's not the first time I've been underdog in my career and like people it happens all the time mate like I'll just have to keep proving people wrong yeah. and um that last fight obviously it was the my first fight on the big stage so I was against I was going up against the champion yeah. um all of the bookies had me uh big underdog and um, I, I was looking in fight week at the Twitter polls and all, every boxing expert out there had him to beat me yeah um but it's things like people like that give me the fuel I need to succeed. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, I don't think like I would be, I would be where I am today without having that negativity that then people slate me early on in my career. Cause it happens every time. It, it's nothing new to me. It was just that last one was on a big stage and you could see in the, in the interviews and that afterwards, it was very like animated and emotional because that's me basically giving a big middle finger to everybody that's, that's um, said, I'm going to lose. I'm not good enough. All stuff like that. It happens yeah. all the time. But for that one, it was just, it was bigger than ever. You know, it meant so much to me. Yeah. A lot of people um, use that as a driver. I know, I know I certainly do in, in my line of work. Um, and, and just to touch on the fight you had in Gibraltar against Chris Congo, just for the listeners benefit. Um, he was also an undefeated fighter. Um, and it's not often that two undefeated fighters at your stage of career will go up against each other. So, you know, hats off to the pair of you for, for taking that on. And uh, as you mentioned, actually, I was going through, um, I was going through the the Instagram polls and stuff, and I saw you with the underdog, and I was obviously voting for you, being a being a, a Mikey McKinson fan. Um, but do you think that how does it feel to be consistently labelled as the underdog? Do you know? Does it does it play on your mind a little bit and you think, well, hang on a minute, when am I going to get to the point when I am the favourite for the fight? And do you think also that that might negatively affect your mindset? Yeah, there have been fights where I've been the favourite and stuff like that. But 
I think being the underdog is that extra, gives me that extra spark that I need anyway. Um, like, I prefer, like, say, that I don't know my next fight now, but um, I would prefer to be the underdog again, you know, because that helps me improve and that helps me raise my game. Yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm a big boxing fan and I've followed your career since the early days. So the fight in Gibraltar was especially exciting for all of us fans. But talk us through it. The moment you're in the dressing room before the fight, uh, you're warming up, you're getting your hands wrapped. What exactly is going through your mind? I'll tell you something and maybe surprise. Like this fight was on the biggest stage in boxing. It was a it was a massive fight for me. It was Sky Sports pay per view, like everybody was. Everyone was there, but I was more nervous for my fight before than I was for the Chris Congo fight. And the fight before, I fought a guy, an unbeaten guy again called Martin. I was the favourite. I was the favourite. His name was Martin Harkin. There was no fans there. It was the first fight with no fans, and the whole training camp I had beforehand was all making weight because I, I went really heavy in the last lockdown last year and it was just terrible. And before that fight, I was, there's loads of doubts going through my head in the changing rooms. Um, as soon as I had an angry Scotsman trying to knock me out, it was different. But beforehand, it was nervous. But that fight for Chris Congo is the best I've ever prepared for a fight mentally and physically. Like, there was no man that was beating me like that night. So how I felt beforehand, warming up, um, on the pads and in the change rooms, I was excited more than nervous, I would say, 100%. So what, what shapes your mindset in that moment? Do you do you visualise your opponent or I suppose you're just drawing on all your techniques you've been learning in the gym and your, in your training camp? Um, yeah, so like when I'm going to a fight, I don't as much, especially that one, it's not, I didn't so much have a game plan People say, oh, he had a good game plan and stuff like that. So I wasn't visualising how the fight was going to go. Because how the fight's going to go, for me, all depends on how they come out the first round. Like how my opponent comes out the first round, because I adapt. And if Chris Congo, who I fought last month, came out and was trying to knock me out, 100%, he would have been knocked out himself. Because I was that confident I could have done it. But he came out a different way in the fight, as everyone sees. So... I wasn't visualising how the fight was going to go, but I was just visualising my dream. And in the flight over to Gibraltar, um, it was a chartered flight. So Eddie Earn, he filled up the plane of all the media team, all the boxers, their teams, uh, everyone behind the scenes. It was a full plane full, but just for us in a bubble. And um, you've probably seen on Eddie Hearn and on Sky Sports or whatever, he got onto the Tadoy midway through the flight. Something he said... <laughs> Something he said to all the boxers is, this is a big occasion, but go out there and chase your dreams. Now, that really stuck to me all week um, because I'm just a lad from Portsmouth that is chasing my dreams. But it's I've been in the picture to get a big fight for a long time and it never happened. And I finally got my opportunity to chase my dreams. So all week, that was all that was on my mind. And just before going in, like warming up everything, I'm living the dream. This is my dream. Do you know what I mean? So that was all that was going through my head. Like I believe it was destiny for me to win that fight. But I've been in boxing my whole life. I've sacrificed so many years. I've sacrificed a lot of money, time, a lot of years. And um, like I just believe that 
everything was meant to happen and I was always meant to be on that stage you know I was always meant to win yeah you had your eyes on that belt I could see from watching you on TV you had that your eyes on that belt and you you weren't going to let it pass you by so so fair play yeah. to you do, do you have any other motivations uh some sports people talk about having pictures on their wall either of their idols or of their opponents and some people carry around um uh, mementos or or things in their pocket to remind them about what the what the dream is do you do you have anything like that at all uh, the day before i left to go first we went to london then uh, gibraltar um my daughter called me up and she uh like she's four she got her mum to call me and she was like i've just finished nursery i've made you a good luck card dad and um she got her mum to drive it like she finished nursery she remembered to drop it off to me and I took that with me to Gibraltar but it was like it was on my bedside uh, cabinet the whole way through the fight like being a good role model to my daughter is probably my biggest goal like my biggest motivation if I'm doing that correct and I'm somebody that she can be inspired by and look up to I've done my job do you know what I mean so that is a real big motivation for me um because I was 10 and 0 I had my 10th pro fight and I, it was I'll I wasn't, didn't fight anyone big or anything like that. And I was in the changing rooms and I said to my dad, when am I going to get an opportunity to fight for a title? I'm good enough. And uh, he said, stay in the gym. The following day, my daughter was born, right? Like I literally fought my 10th pro fight and went up to the hospital straight, straight after. And um, when she was born, I got my first call for my first title fight and everything's been different since. Do you know what I mean? And that was, what, four and a half years ago, four years ago. So she's a big motivation in my life. Um, if I can make her proud, which I'm doing. She went into nursery after my fight and was telling everyone her daddy's famous. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it feels good to be in a position to be a, a good influence in her life. Yeah, no, good on you, mate. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, obviously having the kids, um, you know, is, is, is definitely a game changer. And it, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, whatever field you're in, it definitely sort of levels you up, doesn't it? As a as a as a father. Um, in in terms of like, you know, kind of outside of boxing do you, and and outside of the family side of things, do you do you use any sort of um, practices to sort of channel your mind and and um, you know think about things maybe on your long run stuff like that? We do have me and my brother do have some secrets in our. Uh, in our camp and in our like mind training that we're I'm not willing to give away and stuff but we we do we do work quite a lot on on our uh, mind training and visualizations and stuff like that um it's something it's more recent than than before um but it works you know and we've got good people around us to to uh, to help us you know have you have you found? I know you don't want to give the the trade secrets away, but have you found that a noticeable improvement in yourself and in your brother since you've taken on the mind training? Yeah, well, I've obviously fought since we have, um, and anyone that could see how I was fight week, not even the fight, fight week when it was the press conference, the weigh-in, the confidence like I had was unbelievable, and it wasn't like it. I was so ready for it, you know, and I visualised it for a long time. Um, obviously, my brother now, he's training for the... He's fighting for the English title on May the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is his first big fight as well. And I'm more than confident in him bringing that back as well. I live with him. Me and him live together. 
Um, so as I've tra- finished my training camp of a big fight, he started his, and he's been a pro six years, just like I have. Um, he's he's had to watch me win my titles, and he has he's had a bit of bad luck with injuries and stuff like that. But telling you now, from what everyone sees in the gym, from what I see in the gym, he's better than I am. People just don't know that yet. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's exciting to see him have his chance, you know, and like like I said, with the mind training, there's we're, we're, we're so confident in it. I was so confident in me bringing that title back and I'm even more confident in him bringing his title back. Yeah, class. No, and mate, you know, thanks for sort of, you know, putting Portsmouth on the map a bit more, you know. Um, so hopefully, brother can carry that on. I mean, in, in terms of your career, would you would you say kind of the the the, the fight in Gibraltar was your was your highest point so far? Yeah, yeah. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, I wouldn't say it was my hardest fight, but I was so mentally prepared and so physically prepared. Mm. Like, he was probably the best guy I've ever fought, but I just up my game, you know. Um, and like from that, like just for like say my social media, I doubled my social media followers in five days. Like <laughs> just the whole thing. I went like I think like nearly 16k followers now. Do you know what I mean? It, it was crazy. And I was finally in the limelight where I like growing up, all I ever wanted was my name in lights. Yeah. Uh, and I've finally got it now and I've got a win. Everyone's talking about me um for the first time in my life. So I'm in a position where I've always wanted to be in. I must say, Mikey, it's, it's, it's thoroughly deserved. Um, like I said, I've followed your career for a, for a while and um, you, you do work tremendously hard. So, so hats off to you. Did you, you obviously had a very strong mental preparation as we've touched on before. Did at any point in the build up to that fight, because it was huge pressure. There's a title on the line. You've unbeaten records on the line. You're fighting on pay-per-view Sky Sports. You're boxing in with the matchroom guys who are obviously very big, big players in the sport. Did at any point it go through your mind? You think I could get knocked out here and this dream could be over? No, no. I always knew signing the fight. I knew I could win um, as long as I prepare myself the right way and have the right people around me um there were always there's always some doubts but I made sure I like before I packed my bags and left to go to the fight I made sure I left them doubts in Portsmouth um fight week like you said it was a massive occasion we was on a five-star yacht with like that was our hotel security on the front there's a security everywhere you leave your rooms and there's cameras on your face everywhere, like TV cameras and stuff. Um, there were celebrities that were involved with the boxing. There was like like important people everywhere. And people were saying, oh, you must be loving it out there. Like the sun, I was in a suite, everything. And I kept myself to myself most of fight week, unless I had to do the press conference or I spent a lot of time in my room alone. And I... Made, I was there to change my life. I weren't there to be starstruck. I weren't there to crumble and, and stuff like that. So I think I was in control of everything all fight week. You know what I mean? Because you do see people get their first opportunity on a big stage and they're just fanboying everywhere and they just crumble on the big stage. And when the spotlight was on me, that was never going to happen. I've waited too long for this, you know, and I was just made sure I was so focused and in control of all of my emotions all week. And I think that's why I shed a bit of a tear after I won. Mm. Um, just like, re- like releasing everything. But uh, yeah, I kept myself to myself and people were saying to me, 
why didn't you enjoy it? Like, enjoying it? I was like, no, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to change my life. Because, like, some people only get one opportunity. Yeah. So I wasn't ever going to let that let that go, you know? So, yeah, I got it done. I won the fight. Then afterwards, I went up into the hotel room where the bar is and stuff, and I socialised for a bit. Got a few pictures with people and stuff like that. Mm. But before the fight, that, I was never going to do that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, and it obviously culminated in that great win. There. And there's that great photo of you on Instagram. And you just, you know, it's happiness. It's, it's, it's relief, probably. You know, and you've got that belt. So so fair play. Obviously, that's one That's one end of the spectrum. You know, what, what, what's been the lowest point of your sort of seven-year career so far? Um. I I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you a, an interesting point. I boxed for the WBO European title. Um, I think that was coming up to two years ago. And um, I shouldn't have fought. Mentally, I wasn't there. Physically, I was fit, but not. So I went for, a, like, I think I split up with my ex-girlfriend about seven, eight weeks before the fight. And it affected my training proper. Like, I I didn't train, for, I had eight weeks notice. I didn't train for the first probably four weeks. <laughs> um, and I didn't really spar, didn't get any sparring. And what I did for the last four weeks, I got myself really fit, got myself really fit. And it was good to like, at the time, good to get over the breakup and stuff, like just because I had something to focus on. And in the fight, I shouldn't have fought because I wasn't prepared. Like physically, I, went, I was getting hit with shots and it was hurting and stuff like that. And I looked horrible. It was a horrible fight. And I managed to get the win. And I, afterwards, I was so like shot. Like, I was like, how have I got the win on four weeks like worth of training? No sparring. I learned so much about myself in that mm. fight. Do you know what I mean? That's probably the like, like I remember after the fight, I like I got like everyone's oh well done. Like I got the win. And I treated it as a loss. I sat in the shower, cried. I got onto the uh, coach with all my supporters back to Portsmouth. And they're all like, ah, oh, like having a dream, like congratulations. I left them all and sat right at the front on my own. Cried, must cried the whole way back because I thought, poor, I've just had a close, close call here. Mm. Um, like, although I'd won the fight, it looked horrible. I was getting hurt. I had a bit of concussion afterwards. I was like, I will never, ever, ever, ever go into a fight underprepared mentally nor physically mm. um, again in my life. And I made sure that I've never done that ever again. That was probably, a, although I got a win, that was a pretty low point. Um, and also, I'd say my first 10 pro fights, I didn't earn a penny for. When having a like, young family at home and everything like that, that was pretty low as well. Do you know what I mean? Because what people don't see is at the beginning, financially, boxing ain't great whatsoever. And um, I was a young... But what do I turn pro at 1920? I was a young lad, cocky young lad. And um, there was big ticket sellers in Portsmouth and you have to sell tickets to be able to fight. And I couldn't sell any tickets. Like, I, no one liked me back then. And um, although I was good, there was already big, exciting ticket sellers in Portsmouth. And I had a few sponsors. One of my sponsors is still with me today, actually. But um, I had a few sponsors that would pay me to fight, basically, pay my tickets. Them days was terrible. Them days was terrible. And like there was a few times I um like I was thinking, you know what, like what's the point? I'm never gonna be like, oh like how see a professional boxer is, like oh rich, driving around in this car and stuff like that. It's such a like 
mugs game to be in. And there's a few times, you know what? I'm never going to be able to uh, like do this. So I'll just, just would rather quit. Like another time, one of my sponsors pulled out. One of my, that this was, I'd probably say was a low point. So I quit my job at the end of 2017 to go full time. And I had a daughter, I'd had a daughter by then. I'd, I was a young dad and it was a big risk. And I managed to get a sponsor that was paying me each month, paying my wage. And um, everything was okay. It wasn't enough to really live, but my bills were covered each month and I could train full time. And two days before I was meant to be paid, one of my sponsors said, sorry, we want to pull out for the sponsorship. Like, blah, blah. I can't even remember the reason. And I was like, this is like, this, that was the worst moment I'd say. Cause at that sort of couple of days, I was like, wow, like I ain't got nothing to even pay, pay my rent. Do you know what I mean? So there's been many, many low points in my career. Uh, many low points. I believe them low, low days are long gone now that, I've been able to stick through it, stick through them hard days, and and like I'm at the, I'm the light at the end of the tunnel. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm at finally in a position where I'm happy. Um, I'm where I want to be in boxing. My career shaping how I want it to be shaped. I've got good people around me. So, so yeah, the future is exciting for me. Yeah, no, fair play to you because I think those those moments are probably what shaped your mindset when you're in your big fight in Gibraltar. Like you said, you weren't going to get involved in the razzmatazz and you kept your head down. And obviously, at the very top of your game, you know, we look at the the rematch of Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. Ruiz, you know, he said he didn't train very well and he was living the living the lifestyle of a champion too much. And obviously, that that didn't yeah. work out too well for him. So, so credit to you on that one. Um, what advice would you give to anyone out there thinking of starting a new chapter in their life, whether that's getting into sport or starting a business or just maybe a life change in general? Yeah, I would firstly say the the right lifestyle, firstly. Um, make sure you're living a healthy life, not even in sport, just in general, and you're happy. Um, yeah, do what makes you happy because there's, there's a lot of... You have to go through bad times to get to get the best um, in anything, I would say. So just do what makes you happy and put the work and invest your work into something that that you want to do, um, first and foremost, I think, because for me, obviously, I've always wanted to do boxing. Um, from a young kid, if somebody asked you what, what, you, what you're going to be when you're old, it's a professional boxer. I didn't know all of the horrible times that come with it at the time. I was a little kid. I like I see the razzmatazz and, and stuff like that. But I invested a lot of time and there was times where I wanted to quit and I thought to myself, I've invested too many years, too many times, like too many hours, too much money into this sport to quit now when I'm nearly there. You know what I mean? I'm still nowhere near where I want to be, but I'm on the right path now. So um and I stuck through the hard times and there'll probably be hard times again, but I know I'm on that right track. And like right now in my life, I'm so happy with everything that's going on. So I think that's, yeah, I'd say just do what would make you happy and follow the dream, really. It sounds really cliche, but that's what I, I'm doing. No, that's, that's, that's very sound advice, Mikey. And um, just lastly, before we, before we let you go, um, what, what's next for, for the problem? Well, um, obviously, I've boxed on um, a matchroom show, like Eddie Hearn's show, and uh, they 
I've managed to secure a promotional deal, a free fight uh, promotional deal with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, which is only going to catapult and benefit my career um, massively. Obviously, I've got great management team behind me, MTK Global, which they're going to be looking after me. They're going to obviously have my back. But the free fight promotional deal with Eddie Hearn is just what any boxer wants in their career, you know? So... <laughs> Um, offer that win. Like I said, I've got that one opportunity. All I needed was one opportunity. They seemed to like me, offered me a, a, a promotional deal, and now we can move on. I'm probably going to be fighting in July, August time. Um, so for me now, is good because I'm fully focused on my future. And uh, yeah, I'm, it's exciting. I'm happy. Yeah, as, as fans of yourself, uh, we're Pompey fans, all three of us. Um, you know, that news is fantastic and you're, you're putting Pompey on the map, which makes us really proud. And I know you make yourself and your family proud. Um, I know you can't give too much away, but those dates are being mooted as the uh, AJ Fury possible fight. So um, maybe we can see Mikey McKinson on the AJ undercard. Let's <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> that would be a dream, wouldn't it? I'm just, I'm just happy I've got managed to get this deal, but... Could you imagine that? I'll get the phone call. Would you? <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Anyway, Mikey, thanks so much for joining us today and um, we'll catch you soon. Nice one, mate. Cheers, Mikey. Oh, so that was a uh, good chat with Mikey there, Simon. What 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 pickups did you get from the... Uh... Yeah, um, I mean, the, the first one is a hugely impressive young man, isn't he? Um, yeah, definitely. you know, I, I didn't obviously. I've seen him on TV, um, seen his last fight. But obviously, you don't know what to expect um, in terms of in terms of obviously the thought that goes behind quite a lot of this stuff. But um, you can tell he's very conscientious, um, prepares very very well, um, and feels he's got a point to prove. Uh, and I think that's kind of the first thing I was keen to chat about um, was that you know, and, and we've mentioned it before. You know, there there are uh, there, there's that lucky small percentage of people in the business world, sport, you know, in anything, that, in, and people that we've interviewed in the past that are that are um, incentivized and motivated by the positive. Um, unfortunately, that's not me, and um, you know, I tend to only get motivated when when I feel. Um, you know, there's something to prove or, or, you know, and, and I can be pretty spiteful in that sense. That's what tends, that's what tends to, to, to drive me. And you can see that's, um, that's obviously what drives him. And it was an interesting, it was, it was an interesting sort of question that you touched on is what, you know, when he is, you know, and fingers crossed and he, and he, and he wins his next, let's say he wins his next four or five fights and he becomes, you know, a bit more of a household name. How's he then going to react when he's expected to win? Um, you know, so you, you you quite often see that you know in in individual sports, in in you know in in sales jobs, you also see it in team sports, don't you? With Liverpool, you know, um, you know, look what happened to them, obviously in the Premier League this year. When you when you're expected to win, sometimes people can't handle it. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that. You know, what I mean, what would you take on that? Be yeah, that was an interesting point that we we covered with him, but I think he would be more than prepared for it up to this point anyway, because yeah. the thing I was hugely impressed with and I, I picked up from watching the build-up to his last fight in Gibraltar, as I mentioned in the interview, was there was no 
he didn't get carried away with himself. He wasn't starstruck by all the cameras and the media. And yeah. obviously, you know, you've got some big names there. You, you're fighting with Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin, who are huge names in boxing. Eddie Hearn as the promoter, mm-hmm. another big name in boxing. Um, you're staying on a five-star luxury yacht. You know, it could, for a, for a young man, I know he's he's been in the game a few years now, but he still is a young man, relative young man. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been so easy to get, carried away with all that stuff but huge credit to him I think he drew upon his previous low points as, he, as again as we talked about in the interview yeah. and um, I think he that that's kind of laid the foundation for him to realise mm. that you know you don't get many of these chances so don't mess it up um, and I, I think he's proved that so I think that that foundation that he's laid for himself there I think he will be able to carry that on. It will be a huge challenge. Don't get me wrong. As you as you rise up the level in any field, whether that's sports or business or media yeah, or yeah. whatever you're in, the challenges become greater and, and the pressure becomes tougher. Um, but but he's definitely built himself a solid foundation. The way he's shaped his mindset around all of that. Yeah, t- totally. Um, and 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 you know, I'm part of a new coaching group now um, as a, as a member, and it's sort of opening my eyes. And um, you know quite a few facets of that is, is, is almost as things grow and as things get bigger and as things get more impressive, it's easier to, you know, then duck out and still be known in, in your, in your circle and in your friends, um, as, as someone that's done something. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and it, and it must've been the same for you, you know, you, you, you stand on that stage, there's 60,000 people there, you've booked a, a, a huge name in music, you know, it's easy now to go, do we, should we do it again? Should we hand the reins over? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he, he's seen that, he's seen that Gibraltar fight. Yes, it's the glitz and glamour and it's the start of it, but he's seen that very much as day one. Um, so, um, you know, and, and that's what we tell our guys, you know, the day, the, the day that we moved into an office with, with a hundred seats and, you know, that's not, we've made it. That's now right. We're now day one. And, and, and I think he's got that kind of mentality in that mindset. I think I, I agree with that totally. And I think another thing that really impressed me, um, is, uh, the family grounding that he has. So his dad, um, it's a fortunate position to be in, I suppose, if you're going into the boxing, your dad is already a boxer or a boxing trainer, at least. Um, he lives with his brother, so they can they can help, they can spur each other on. Yeah, um, I, 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 can't, I can't see the neighbours park, parking across their drive. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, good point. Um, you know, he's obviously wants to be a great role model for his daughter, you know, as I do for my kids, you do for yours, you know, any parent does. Yeah. Um, so I think having that family grounding and... Um, because you, you think of boxing and you think entourage, don't you? You've got your mates, the glitz and the glamour. I don't think that plays too much into Mikey's journey. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, the, the family grounding is, is a, is an important part of that. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, he was, he was pretty um, open and pretty honest. And he said that, you know, you know, quitting had crossed his mind. I think it crosses everyone's mind in, in some sense, sometimes in, in, you know, kind of any field you're in, but again, it's the, it's the family grounding. It's also the social circle he's in. He's got, he's, he's going into the gym and he's seeing his mates in the gym outwork him. And, you know, we, we've said it a million times. You, 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 the, the, you're the product of your environment. You're, you, you'll only ever going to basically achieve what your social circle expect from you. And if they expect you not to quit and they expect you to be, you know, kind of, you know, work as hard as them, then that's going to carry him through. So I, I think he, I think he mentioned that happened a few times. So that's good to see. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And um, 
Yeah, like I say, he's got a good team around him and he, they work hard uh, by the sounds of it, as well as the physical training on, on the mental training now, which, uh, as you touched on at the start of this wash up, um, is quite a big thing in, in business world as well is, you know, you've got to keep your mind sharp in any yeah. walk of life, really, even yeah. in your personal life, your family life, you have to keep your mind sharp. I have to, you know, work on mine. My friends do, you do, we, we all do. Um, and it is, you know, it's tough at times to, to, get out of bed and go training, especially when you're going to go and get punched in the head, but um, yeah, fair play. That's it. <laughs> fair play. That's it. Um, he, he's, he's been a great asset to the city, I think. Um, and his name will only get bigger. So, so good luck, Mikey, for the future, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and the last point I was, I was keen to talk about um, was his advice to, to people start starting a new chapter and, and, and it's to, you know, live that lifestyle. And, you know, when I first started my career, um, and I think we're all pretty guilty of this, you know, you, you, you know, you can get dragged into one version of it and, or, or, or the other way. And, um, you know, I, I see more and more now people in the business world and people in the entrepreneurial world, almost training for life. You know, there's, there's not going to be a fight. There's not a big event, but, you know, if you can get your body right, um, and your mind right, then, you know, the results and then the employment opportunities for everyone else around you that people are dependent on you will then improve in turn. So I, I, I think that was a really good bit of advice from him. Um, and, you know, something I'm seeing more and more, um, you know, I mean, I, I get up early and go to the gym these days and and, and I, I've almost found more time for that, you know, even as a new dad um, with, with, with less time to spare, if that makes sense. I'm just now seeing it's more important. Um, so it, it, it was great advice. And, um, the, the other thing I was quite impressed with, you know, such a kind of, you know, I mean, he is still young, isn't he? But he, he said to invest your time into something you enjoy doing. Now, how many people do I know in, you know, I'm 38 or 39 this year, you know, there's, there's lots of people I know. I was guilty of it up until probably, you know, 10 years ago, which is, which was still kind of 30. I'm old enough to know better, but I spent time doing things that actually wasn't serving me, wasn't part of my long-term plans. You know, and how many times do you hear, you know, people in their 60s and 70s, I wish I did this, I wish I did that. People just do, tend to do what they've always known. And um, so again, great advice. Yeah, I, I agree with that point um, as well, because it's easy to get swept away in other in other things and for me you 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 can't i'm not sure you can probably dig out a case study or two and put them in front of me but you you have to enjoy what you do and that's the success will follow it's a bit like yeah. you have to be yourself um you can't you can't pretend to be a certain character you know certain industries will make you believe you have to act or dress or, you know, do things in a certain way. But after a while, you, you can't keep it up and it just becomes tiring. And, mm. you know, it, ultimately, it, I, I doubt it ever really leads to any form of success further down the line or, or, or fulfillment for that, for that matter. So as Mikey said, you know, just be happy, do what you love doing and, and everything else should follow. Um, if you've got a passion for something, um, you, you won't need to find motivation. It will just naturally be within you. Yeah, that's it. And, 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 you know, I mean, the obvious kind of answer to that is, well, I've got a family, I've got bills, I've got this, I have to, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, these days and with social media and, and YouTube and all that sort of thing, if you're an expert in something, you tend to then, you know, the financial rewards then tend to find you, you know, whether that's in sort of coaching other people how to do it, 
becoming a stakeholder in that industry, you know, and you only ever become an expert in something, you know, if you enjoy it, because you, you, you tend to just focus fully on it. And so you are right. You know, if you, if we, if you think about some of the biggest sportsmen, you know, if you think of Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo doesn't, doesn't do it for the money. He does it because he wants to be the very best and he enjoy any, that's, that's his thing. Yes. He gets then gets then gets paid you know handsomely for it um so i think it's yeah i think you're right if you if you can find an opportunity and obviously the younger the better and and, and the less responsibilities the better um but you know this there's you know there's still an opportunity you know i mean my mum's in her 70s and you know you know her well and she's you know she still says to me i don't know what i want to do when i grow up so there's always an opportunity to just you know and I hate this term, but pivot, do something and change things mm. up. Um and and you know and, and find enjoyment before the financial rewards if you possibly can and and they will come and let's let, let's face it you know okay if you've got a family you've got bills to pay we, we all do we have to put food on the table but it's not all about the money you know I, I often talk about this with people would you rather be doing a job you hate and earning a million pound a year or a job that you truly love and that is having a positive effect on others around you and be earning twenty thousand pound a year Okay, that's quite a stark contrast mm, in terms mm. of the finance, but I think as long as you're getting enjoyment and fulfill, fulfillment from what you're doing, um, and you're you're having a positive impact, then, like I say, you, you'll find that the rewards, whether that's financial or otherwise, will will probably follow. That's it for another mindset musings podcast. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate our listeners and the feedback that we receive. We hope you have either been entertained or gained something of value from the show. If you have, can we please ask you to leave us a five-star iTunes review or a review wherever you feel is relevant. Please feel free to follow us on Instagram at mindset.musings. Our personal Insta handles are included in the bio. Drop us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.